back to my early childhood, when I was uh, <coughs> like in the third and fourth grade and so on, uh, we thought at that time that our enemy was Russia. Remember that? Okay. Now, even we had the Cuban Missile Crisis, all the stuff was people were buying blankets and food and everything and all that. And, and so uh, we had, you know, this big arsenal of nuclear weapons, and they had this big arsenal of nuclear weapons. And there came a point in time not that many years ago, there were people that I had come in contact with who were involved in, in all of this, the nightmare of nightmares. And I just asked a question. I said, so, going back to of the Cold War, the Cold War, I said, what were the chances of us having a major nuclear exchange with the Soviet Union? By the way, you're talking about killing most of the world's population, okay? This is not a good idea. Anyway, you look at it. And they said, 50-50. Uh, I go, that's not good. If you go to the doctor and he says, you got a 50-50 chance, that's bad news. That is really bad news. So, as people began to pray about this, there were believers who went into the Soviet Union and they were surprised to find something. They came back and they said, there's lots of Jewish people there. I mean, lots and lots and lots of Jewish people there. And you know, God's hand of protection was being put over them and the country because they would have all been killed too if we'd had a big war. We don't want, nobody wants a war. And so then they said, well, what are we going to do? And there was persecution against the Jewish people. I talked to Risa and, 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 and Sarah about that. It says they began to pray, inter, intercessory prayer. A lot of prayer went up for the Jewish people in, in, in Russia uh, and, and the surrounding countries. And this intent, and it wasn't like public, but a lot of people were in intense intercessory prayer. And books began to be written. There were two or three with the same title, Exodus 2. You know, the second Exodus, you know, the one, the one we celebrated Passover, but there was another one needed out of Russia to bring the Jewish people home to, to, to the land of Israel, safe. And so as they began to pray about that, it was like, I'm looking at these books and reading this stuff and hearing these speakers. I'm thinking, that's just about impossible. That's just about impossible. How in the world is that going to happen? Anyway, I mean, I mean come on. <clears throat> well, when we lived in Israel, now we're up to 90 and 91. What was going on in, in 90? Saddam Hussein, remember him? And yeah, the Iraq War, okay. Well, just before we moved there, all this stuff started happening with Iraq. In the U.S., and it's like, we're going to have a war, and so everybody was telling us, don't go. So <laughs> we went, all right. And then when we were there, the war actually began. They said, come back home, and we said, no. We're not coming back home. You know, we were called to stand. You know, I, you've heard me. I preach this. Stand with the Jewish people. What kind of testimony do I have if I don't do that? <laughs> okay. When they're in trouble, they go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to run home, right? And so what we found was that the, the, the Israelis, they can't go anywhere. Where are they going to go? All right. They're in the newspapers. Uh, the last ship leaving Haifa Tuesday, be on it. You know, the last American Airlines flight Wednesday night, be on it. People are sending us tickets. I go, you know what? And what's neat was that Susan and I, where did she go? She's right here. We're absolutely in one accord. There is no way we're coming back. I mean, we had proclaimed for years, it's on tapes and everything, to stand with the Jewish people in their, in their time of trial. And our family thinks we're crazy and we're not, so we're all going to die, right? Well, I didn't die, okay? 
And, and there was one point in time where just before the war began, Susan's mother was deathly ill, and she did pass away. And we didn't have any money, by the way. We sold everything we owned, everything. We sold it all. We went with one-way tickets, all right? And we didn't have any money. A little bit of support would, would come in for us. And she got news that, that her mother is on her deathbed, so we have no money to buy a plane ticket. Well, we got a call from the tour company we work with to take our tourists to Israel. And he said, I was just given a miracle. He said, they, El Al called me and said, I can give you one ticket round trip to L.A. for $400. And he said, that has your name on it, okay? So she was able to come back. But here's the, here's the point in time that was kind of precious. She was torn because she said, there's, there's going to be a war and the Jewish people are going to be attacked and I'm going to miss it. It's like, that was nice because not that you like the war, but you want to be with the people you're there praying for and standing with them. They can't leave. We'd go, we'd go to the little market. It's a whole different world where we live. It's in Magdala, ancient Magdala. It's, it's a good, di di different world. I mean, it was earthy, normal, regular people. Okay? And the, the little teeny stores. The store was this, the size of the, one of our classrooms. Okay? And you go to the store, and they, they ask. They, they, they know who, who we are. They say, uh, you going home? You leaving? We said, no. And they said, good. Good. Because all the missionaries left. Bad testimony. Okay, all the Bible teachers left. Bad testimony. R really bad. And so, because we stayed, we earned the right to be heard. And afterwards, they said, okay, t tell us your story then. Because now we're, we're for real. Okay, we are for real. We did what we said we would do. They say so many, they would use the word Christian, so many Christians say those things, but they don't do those things. Look at, look at, look at all of them. Well, I say all that to, say, to, to tell you that the, those same people were still there praying for the Russians. All right? And what you saw on television, it was like, this is how God works. Okay, it was hilariously funny how he works. The eyes of the world were glued to CNN. I mean, you could see the war live, okay, right there every, on CNN. And what's going to happen in Iraq, and what's happening in Iraq, and so on and so forth. And that's what the whole world is watching. And then, what? you see, there's nobody coming to Israel right now because they're afraid to come, right? Oh, here's, here's who came. All the big, the big shots. I'm not going to name them, but you can go down your list. And they would come and give the solidarity speech. Then the Jerusalem Post, and they are so hilariously, sarcastically funny. They said, have you ever noticed that the VIPs, and they would name them, come with no luggage? Why is that? Well, they arrive at 8 in the morning, and they leave at 1 in the afternoon. Because <laughs> the missiles all come at night. And they go, they're really standing with us, aren't they? Ha, ha, ha. So they, you know, that, that wasn't for real. All the solidarity, but i got to go now before the missiles come, okay? Well, what... It can be, since nobody's coming, that means all the LL planes are empty. Nobody's on them. Guess what happened? Okay, the, the governments in the Soviet Union said to the Jewish people, you can go. It was like Pharaoh, but in, 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 in the account of the Exodus, it's this dramatic thing where this was like, okay, you can go. It's like, excuse me? Yeah, yeah you can go. And all night long. 
the planes, the allowed flights were leaving Tel Aviv and going to Russia and shuttling Jewish Russians back to the land of Israel. And nobody noticed it. It wasn't on the news. It was like, do you see what's going on? There's all this diversion, this big war, this diversion. And one million were brought in. One million. People were talking about how is this going to happen. And, and we were praying for this. And I'm seeing the answer to our prayers before our very eyes. And nobody's noticing it. It's like behind the back door, they're all coming in. And there were some hilarious moments. I mean, in Israel, you were invited in the newspaper. If you'd like to come down to the airport and wave Israeli flags and welcome Russians, uh, you know, they're flat. They gave the times that they're landing. You go, you know, wait, you know talk about a, a miraculous answer of prayer. And the funny part was they, they go, welcome to Israel and here's your gas mask. I'm serious, because you would wear it that night when the missiles came. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Out of the fire into the frying pan. And so what, what was the, the other part of the humor was when I was joking with the kids about the, the, the most common language uh, 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 being Russian, as we would go into town, you go into in the daytime because the missiles, except for once, all came at night after dark because they were terrorists. It was a fear thing. Okay, it was a fear thing. Out of 39 missiles, only one Jewish person was killed. Only one. I often wondered what, what sin was in his life. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know what was going on. <clears throat> but... But miracles happen of saving people. But uh, <clears throat> out of 39, that came at night. And so, and so uh, uh, in, in the daytime, as we would go to the store and, and do things, you would all of a sudden, the, the Russians look different. They dress different. And they talk different. And you see before your eyes answered prayer. It was like the, one of the most heartwarming things possible. And then some other miracles began to take place. It was, it was through discernment. You, you, you could actually look at people on the street and tell if they're believers. I had the experience several, several times. And, and you start talking in code. You say things like, well, you know, praise the Lord or hallelujah. Pretty soon as you go, you're going back and forth with these Bible code words. And are you a believer? Yes. And you're testimony. Okay. And so on and so forth. And you hook them up with, with Bible studies. <clears throat> there was a point in time where we were <clears throat> pardon me, able to, there was this thing in, in the newspaper where you can, uh, first thing they do is Olpan, learn Hebrew. It's really fun. And I went to see what they did. And they did all these skits. And they were doing skits about the Gulf War and Saddam Hussein. It was hilariously funny. And, and so there was a thing that said, okay, if you would like to adopt a Russian family or two or ten, they come with a little bag and no money and no food. Right? And they gave them a place to stay, but the shelves were empty. And so we were given a name of a, of a couple, older couple. So we, we met them, just the sweetest people on the face of the earth. And we went to the market. They thought we were showing them the market. As uh, we began to fill the shopping carts, <coughs> we would ask, would you like this and do you like that? You, everything's in Hebrew. You can't, they can't read it. And so on. And their English was better than my Hebrew, okay? That way we, we could talk, talk a little bit. And there was a moment in time where they realized that this food is for them. And it was like they, they started to, to crumble because people were reaching out to them in love and, and really welcoming them. And I tell you what, giving is the most fun thing there is to do. It, I mean, it, it really is. And as we did this, um, you know, the holidays are coming. By the way, 
next week, not today because of, of time, but I'll, I'm going to give you a list of what God does on certain dates. Dates are important. And I was going to give you the date of the second coming, but I'll have to wait a, a, a next week. <laughs> you don't think I can do that? You have to come next week. Because those guys that give those dates really irritate me. And I'll tell you why. I've got a whole long list of how they irritate me. But, but I have the real date. I'll, I'll tell you that uh, next week, though, okay? <clears throat> anyway, so as, as we began to, to meet these people and have coffee with them, uh, uh, by the way, okay, the, the dates. Okay? Do you know what day the Gulf War ended? Purim. I've got a list I'll bring uh, uh, next week on significant dates and things that happened to Jewish people on those dates. Ended on Purim. Interesting. Well, what's after Purim? What major holidays coming up? Passover, right? One of the highlights of my life was this. But we began to invite these people to our Passover Seder. We get a lot. Come on. That might have been 30 or so. And so we sit down, and the first thing we ask is, how many of you here tonight, this is your very first Passover Seder? <coughs> Every, every hand, every single hand went up. Every hand went up. I go, Lord, you're, you're just too good. This is too good to be true. I mean, I mean, come on, we take it from around. How many can you pick from around here? Okay, how many, how many Messianic satyrs can you pick from? There's, there's tons of them. They've never had a satyr. And t- talk about how God can bless you and honor you. What a privilege to, to share, to teach, and be a part of their first, and Susan danced, Okay of their first Seder in the land of Israel, and it's messianic, it's proclaiming Yeshua. And those that weren't believers, it's like, oh, I see that, okay, I, I see that he's the Messiah. It was easy. You just do it, and the, they, they were secular, and there's no baggage. And they say, oh, I see all that. You led them to the Lord. And, and talk about a group like this with the open doors to go and, and, and touch lives, because uh, most of them come secular. And there's issues with drugs and alcohol and other kinds of sin. And they need a touch of love and a language they understand and music they understand. And people like this will reach out in prayer and minister to them. And I can't do that. I'll tell you what, they can reach ten times more people through music and, and dance and drama than I can through, through speaking. So I want you to support that, okay? Because they, they do something that is really, really worthwhile. And, and it wasn't long until we realized that uh, one million Russians had come back to, to the land of Israel in a short amount of time. God can do things suddenly, quickly. He can turn things around. And, and it's, it's, like I said, it's kind of funny. It's like all the, all the planes are... What are the chances of finding an MPLAL plane? Try and buy a ticket to Israel. The planes are all full. During the war, they were all empty. And, and, and by the way, who financed some of that? Who financed some of that? There were believers who did a lot of the financing. There were Christians who did a lot of the financing who remained anonymous. They would pay for a whole plane load. They didn't want any credit. They believed the Bible, and they want to bless Jewish people. And I could name some names, and you would know who these people are, but they did not want any credit given to them. They just simply wanted to bless the Jewish people. And so God will in turn bless them. And so uh, next week, what we're going to do I am going to give you a date. You, you need to come hear this because I'm, am I a heretic? 
Those other heretics really irritate me, okay? Because they're all wrong. They really, they are. So, 88 reasons for 88. How many of you brought that book? Never mind, don't don't go there. Well, uh, how many of you have been to meetings where prophecy? See, prophecy is uh, where you can draw the crowds, okay? That's the real meat of the word is prophecy. That's not true, by the way. But in a room like this where you can have the charts that go all around, all, all the way around. And on the charts are the, the events, the dates, the places, the people, the exact, the, this exact timing of all this stuff, right? You been to some of those things? Hmm. Have, have you been to the meetings? Well, you see, if, we're, if, this, if this is Yamaha's mode, we're talking about it. But for those of you who were late, I made this announcement. They said, just in. With all the economy, as bad as it is, you're not going to believe this. Israel has been repossessed. And you didn't get it either. Repossessed? They came back to the land and possessed the land. They went, oh, man, we've got to go start over next week totally. Okay. The legal and rightful owner to the land of Israel now has possession. Okay? And I, you know what I have? Do you know what I have with me? I have a copy of the title deed. Is it right here? Okay. I hope you brought your copy too. That's the title deed right there. All the stuff you hear on TV, but this person's right. That all right? You know, right? Go right here. Go right here. The people that are screaming and waving and waving swords and saying death to the Jews and to Israel already have 99% of the land. <laughs> they already have. They want the other 1%. What's the deal? It's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. Well, I mentioned to the kids, <clears throat> if we're, and we're going to actually bring out the Israeli flag a little bit in a few minutes, we sing a couple of songs. And, and are we kind of mixing politics and religion here? Are we? Are we mixing? You're not supposed to do that, are you? Well, if we celebrate the rebirth of the state of Israel, that's a political event actually voted on by the UN. I have the recording of that one, okay? We played it in time past. But it's also a spiritual event. It's fulfilled prophecy, which gets me back to that date we, we, we were going to talk about that we'll do next week. Okay, fulfilled prophecy. Now, if you're going to talk about this date, this is prophecy fulfilled. In years past, by the way, all my stuff on Yamaha's mode, I, my notes are about this deep in stuff I could say, all right? But it has to do with Israel and prophecy and all the big charts. Israel and prophecy. But they make one huge or two mistakes. All right? I have given countless messages on Israel and prophecy and the return of the Jews to the land. There's tons and tons of scripture. All, all kinds. All right? Yeshua gave some. The disciples gave some. The prophets gave some. A ton of evidence. There's more prophecy about the nation of Israel than all the other nations put together. It's the focus of of divine prophecy and God's promises. And and, uh, that's the stuff I'm going to tease you with next week. What happened was my my briefcase fell and everything fell out, so it's not any logical order whatsoever, (coughs) which is not any different than any of my messages, probably. I know. <coughs> Pardon me. Well, the reason that those prophecy conferences draw big crowds 
is because everybody's interested in what is in the unknown future. And these people come and kind of act like, well, they know what's going to be in the near unknown future. You, you can know some things. Okay, God has revealed himself clearly. To, it's for believers to know and understand certain things. But what happens is this. I'm going I'm to leave you with this in a minute, but we'll, we'll pick it up here next time. What really irritates me is this. Is that you draw the big crowd in, in the charts and prophecy and the events and the timing become the focus to the point of they get cultish and defend systems and, uh, uh, and they become strong critics of other people who don't agree with them over events that haven't happened yet. They become real critical. All right? And so... Um, <clears throat> What happens is they focus on the charts. And, and the prophecy about the return of Jews to the land of Israel was to focus on something else. Do you know what it is? It's to focus on the second coming of Yeshua. Not the charts, the dates, or the, or the countries. And these people, who I'm not naming, have you, have you noticed? Okay, get all excited about, about Israel and prophecy and the end times. And we're in the end times and this, my chart proves it. What they, what they leave out is this little tiny thought. Well, if that's true, and I believe it is true, by the way, I believe we're in the very end of the end. And that's why I'm giving you the date next week. Okay, next week. You don't, you don't want to miss that date. <clears throat> but with all that stuff, all the, all the, all the charts and all, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> the, the, the focus is supposed to be upon Yeshua and his return. And what, what he talked about is simply that. He says, okay, the point is, I'm coming back. Let me give you the signs to look for. And in the, the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25, there's, there's a whole list of things. By the way, none of these things are happening, like earthquakes and rumors of wars and wars and floods. None of that's happening, right, at all. None. There's all this weather change. You know that last week there was the world record of tornadoes in, in one week? in all of history. But, but none of that's happening. It's like, wake up. We've mentioned this before. The, these prophetic statements are right on the news every day. Is there a day? Is there a day that Israel is not on the news? Israel is, is, is 0.001% of the world's population. Why is it on the news every day? The reason is that God is calling the attention of the world to him to what he promised and to his chosen people and what he's about to do. Because that, <laughs> Israel is the location of the second coming. And the place where the king of kings will reign supreme. He will reign in Jerusalem. He will return to Jerusalem, Israel. Be welcomed by Messianic Jews, by the way, singing Baruch Abba, Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And so with all that stuff, is it wrong to have all the, all the church? Not necessarily, however... What did Yeshua say the purpose of that was? Because the disciples asked about four questions. When they, you know, they realized they were coming to the end, he said, okay, we want to know these things. They're normal questions that, that, that believers ask. And they're answered in Matthew 24 and 25. When will these things be? I'm summarizing them. And what will be the sign of your coming? And, and he tells them, all we need to know. But the bottom line is simply this. Not that you dot every I and T on the chart. But that he said, watch and be ready. 
And as you begin to watch, you'll see, holy cow, all of those things are happening right now. All of them. They're happening right now. Or in time past, some happened, but they're all, I think, at the same time right now. And the biggest was this. Be ready. Be ready. And then he said, after we're supposed to know all these signs, well, the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you think not. Wait a minute. He just gave us all signs to watch for. Before we figure this all out, how is it, how is it going to be a surprise? And then he, he talks about um, a thief in the night. But if you, knew that, if you knew all this, how can a thief in the night come and surprise you? What do you do in the night? This is bait for next week, by the way. What do you do at night? Well, not all of you. Sleep. Sleep. All right, now when you're asleep, are you dead? No. You're alive, but you are inert. That's a science word. I learned in ninth grade. And I'll leave you with this thought, which should draw you back next week. There are people that you may know. They can know all the charts and details and teach every line of it, okay, and have all the right answers. And they're asleep. They're inert. They're not dead. But because of all of that stuff, they're almost immune to what's really happening around them. And as a thief in the night, they'll be surprised. It didn't fit my chart. You weren't supposed to come until right over here. You know people like that? Excuse me. Be ready. For the Son of Man comes at an hour that you think not. We have, we have people that have a lot of knowledge, and because of the knowledge, they're inert. They're alive but kind of sleeping. Why is that? Put your toes out. Time to step on a few toes. This will either get you back next week or you'll go to the other two congregations down the road. <clears throat> I have heard this. I've been a victim of this. By the way, I've not told you what I believe about the rapture or tribulation. I haven't brought that up, have I? Well, not enough time today, sorry. Okay. But it, next week, yeah. But it's, it's like some of, some of us have been told all of those events that Yeshua talked about don't matter because we're not going to be here. We're not going to be here. So he better fit my chart or I'm going to be really upset, right? <laughs> You know what? The whole thing about all those signs have to do not with the sign, with people. It's not a matter of the rebirth of Israel, but it's Jewish people that have come back. It's the people that are the focus. And I don't understand how they can, they can pro- proclaim Israel and prophecy, but not see if that's true, then these people that are in Israel today are the fulfillment of that prophecy. But they ignore them. Don't pray for them. Don't love them. Don't care for them. Because of the, you know, the Israel of prophecy is the Israel of today. And those people, somewhere out there is 144,000. I just gave that one away. I believe that, okay? But those are the players. But they love prophecy. And they even love Jewish things. But they don't like Jewish people. What's wrong with that picture? We're called to love people, to extend our hand and love and care out to God's chosen people. Not say, All right, look at the borders, isn't this great? No, it's the people that are inside the borders. We're to bless the people, the Jewish people. 
So if we get the charts all right and everything else, I don't think we're watching and I don't think we're ready if we're not blessing Jewish people. Reaching out and loving them. And they will respond to that love. Maybe next week I'll tell you some, some of the stories about when we lived there. It wasn't because I had all the tools of, of the 15 ways to witness to Jewish people. that we, we were successful. No, it's because you love them. And you're friends and you're nice and you have coffee with them and cake. You have cake with them. It's okay to do that, okay? And then they ask you what you believe because you, they see that you are for real. That you believe this book. And you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You believe, and you're a Zionist. And they say, okay, so how does that work with what you believe? Because I was told in school that people who believe in Jesus don't believe that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. By the way, and Margarita is here as my witness for this one. I'll, I'll start with this uh, next week. In Uruguay, we began with some of these uh, principles of the Abrahamic covenant, God's promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their descendants, including the land of Israel. I'm in a different country. I'm in South America. I'm not sure what these guys think uh, about politics and Israel and, and, the, and the land and so on. And uh, so a lot of pastors were there. And this was a re- this is good. And I want you to do this kind of stuff. I made this blatant statement, right, Margarita? I said, God is a Zionist. I said that. Now, what I liked is all the pastors were somewhat shocked, but they all started doing this. They go, <laughs> that's what I want to see you do. Don't just believe me, blame me. And they go, yep, he is. He's God's a Zionist. Think about that concept. God is a Zionist. That's kind of political. And if he is, we should be too. Is Israel perfect? No. Was the Apostle Peter perfect? No. Okay. But what, what you have here is a mirror and a picture of God's faithfulness. Because he is honor-bound to keep the promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Scripture, and when Yeshua speaks, he never says, uh, how'd that go? Um, oh, God never says, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, couldn't he say that? Because they're dead, right? No, they're not dead. They're alive. They're not dead. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all, no, nobody's really dead, okay, in the sense that they, they, they're in a different state right now. But it was a present tense because he promised them and their descendants, and some of those are you in this room right here. Now, the bottom line is this. With all the charts around the room, I can teach any of those positions, by the way. Sound like I believe he's one, okay? I can I can do that. With all the charts around the room, <clears throat> we can come to certain conclusions. <clears throat> Pardon me, my voice is just about gone. Hang on one second. But the bottom line. As we look at what Yeshua said, what the prophets said, what the apostles said, is that he's a God that's faithful to his word and to his people. And you can choose two things. If you know all the charts, you can be an observer and come and sit and say, I get this chart. Or you can be a player. Not worry about the chart. Get out with the people. Get out with the people. 
and touch their lives and buy them food, sing songs to them. You know a lot of the songs already. Dance with them. You know a lot of the dances. Bless them. And stand with them. Because right now the world's coming against them. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that your word is sure, that you are faithful to your promises to your people. And as we remember the, this huge promise of the reestablishment of the state of Israel, that's the main sign we're to be looking at that reveals the key to the rest of prophecy, what you are doing with your people. I pray we can be a part of what you're doing, not watching it, but a part. Open doors of partnership with your chosen people, of blessing, of outreach, of understanding, of sharing, and of loving. In Yeshua's name.